podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Hot Lap. Um, strange episode today. Uh, I'll be brutally honest with you. I wasn't gonna. Um, I wasn't gonna record an episode today because there just hasn't really been. There hasn't really been a lot going on. Um, I've been looking on like websites and stuff like that, trying to find something. And then we got the news early this afternoon that Frank Williams has sadly passed away. Um, so it felt, I mean, it's this is just a small podcast that means, essentially on the grand scheme of things, means means very, very little to only a few people. So um, it's, but it just felt, it felt odd not to do, not to do something given uh, the fact that Frank has died. Um, I thought all I could really do was say the... I mean, I I started watching Formula One in 1994. Um, so it's my, my my love of Formula One was immediately wrapped into Williams um, because my my dad was a huge Formula One fan. I don't, I don't even know if, I, if, if I've ever um, told this story on the, on the podcast. And my dad was a huge Formula One fan, like loved it, lived, breathed and ate it. Me, essentially, just without a vehicle to spout it out like I do. Um, And, you know, it was different from my father when he was younger. You know, there wasn't televised live and the uh, only, you you know, it was like there was a time that it would start where you would get the race. Pretty much how I watch it now, to be perfectly honest, with F1 TV, where I just tune in to the to the sessions and I don't watch any of the nonsense that goes around it um but yeah it was it was obviously a lot lot more difficult like back in the um like 50s and 60s when my dad was watching it um but I mean, I remember I was sick I was quite an ill child and uh I, through through my childhood I was like I, I had lots of days where I was sick my mum and dad were separated so Sunday was always a day I'd spend with my dad. It was the, that was that was my my day with my dad, and he'd always take me out. And I got I mean, especially now, given how much I'm into Formula One and the fact that I have my my own son as well to try and like work around it. Um, the I, I I just had no interest in Formula One whatsoever. So my dad would take me out every Sunday, and it was easier for him back then, obviously, because we obviously no smartphones, no mobile phones back when I was a child and um, we would go out for the day and he would make sure he turned the radio off when it came to news o'clock he would make sure we didn't go in places that might have the radio on where where it was news o'clock so he could get through the whole day without finding out 
who'd won the race so he could watch the rerun later on at night. Um, yeah, and he did that for years. So, I mean, I was born in 82. Uh, the first race I ever watched was in 1994. So, you know, it's he, he did that for, for most of my childhood. And then the, this one Sunday... I wasn't I wasn't feeling particularly well. I was in bed at my mum's house and my dad came round and we watched the 1994 San Marino Grand Prix and uh, obviously infamous race. Um, and I remember I can't I could, obviously I could work it out. I can't work it out quite now. Uh, right now, my my head maths aren't great. Um, but all, I just thought. Formula One was guys in cars driving around playing with each other. That's literally just worth it. I thought it was just a game that they were they were all just playing a big game. Didn't quite understand why the what what excitement was there because I didn't understand the danger of motor racing, which is strange to be perfectly honest. Even for me as a child at that age, considering I live on the Isle of Man where we've got the world's most dangerous motor race. I mean, maybe that's part of it. Maybe, maybe even as a child, you're. Um, we we have an awful lot of car accidents on the Isle of Man. We have a te- like a terrible, like per per uh, per capita, like accident rate. You know, it's it really is pretty pretty fucking awful. Um, and I've often wondered whether that's because we have like a, even even if people don't realise it, we have like a racing mentality baked into all of us just because. We we have a strange relationship with death because I I mean don't get me wrong there are places a lot more hard off than the Isle of Man you know we're a fucking tax haven at the end of the day, um, but we hold an event every year where we know people are going to die we know that all the riders that come to the Isle of Man some of them won't leave again and that's it's a very it's a very strange thing especially when you um, uh, I've got I've got friends in the health service and. They would like no. I mean, my one of my my best friend. He's a, he's a nurse, and he despises the TT. Um, but when he was working in A and E, essentially come TT week time, he knew he was going to get a bunch of horrific trauma victims coming to A and E, be it, be it riders that were coming in, or um, people on holiday that are just ran out of talent trying to throw the bike around the tt course which vast parts of the tt course tt week uh or mad sunday don't have um a speed limit so you always have a lot of accidents on mad sunday i mean how crazy is that you know open roads that go past people's houses and we have a specific day where people just hoon around the streets very very odd thing to grow up with especially as you get older and you have a child and you go, fuck me, Christ, let's not go out on Sunday. That Sunday, let's just stay in. It's like it's like having a motorsport purge every year. But um, so I watched the San Marino Grand Prix with my father and obviously Senna had his crash. And I can still remember it, still remember it like it was yesterday because um, my dad, my dad was obviously like, oh, God. You know, it's the and uh, he he said straight away. He said he's dead. That he's just died. And um, Murray Walker, I remember the the camera went on to Senna's car, and Senna's Senna's head sort of slumped over, and Murray Walker said something. I can't remember it verbatim, 
But it's, an, it's okay, at least his head's moving. And my dad shouted, t- shouted at the TV, said, no, Murray, his head hasn't moved. He's just died. And um, I was really quite, quite shaken by, first of all, seeing my dad so, like, excited is the wrong word. It's the right word, but you know what I mean? I don't mean, I don't mean joyously excited. I mean, uh, amped, amped up at something that's, that had happened. Um my dad was a big Mansell fan, but he also he had a lot of respect for Senna as well. As well. Um, and I remember waiting all day, watching the news, watching news news reports to see what had happened to it and Senna, see if, see if he'd survived his crash. And then later on in the evening when it came out that he died, I remember ringing my, my dad up and said, oh, my, and Senna died. And... Uh, it just like I re, I realized the risk that these people were taking. Like the, and it all like literally that incident changed them from being these guys that just drive around playing a game that I don't particularly understand to heroes and like modern day gladiators, if you want. Um. So yeah, I was that I I watched every race then from that from that day. Um. For the rest of the season, I watched every race with my dad. Um, and it wasn't morbid curiosity. I, I don't want it to sound like that. It was it was just a newfound respect for something people were doing. Um, and then obviously, like the, 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 my dad, at the time, my dad, dad is the same as me, where he'll support British, like wh- whoever the British drivers are. Um, and I... Uh, I, I've I've sort of developed that as well, you know. I I want Lewis to do well. I want La, uh, Lando and George to do well. You know, that's that's just where I am. I mean, um, as of next year, Albon as well. I know Albon races under his the Malaysian side of his family, but he's still very much half British. So he's got he's wholeheartedly got my support with the rest of them. Um, so. The next year, I watched uh, Formula One. Like I was, I was ready. By the time I'd finished watching the rest of um, nineteen ninety four, ninety five, I was, I was in. You know, I was asking my dad when the races were. I still didn't quite understand what was going on. You know, I, I had loads of questions about why things were happening, what 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 was going on with pit stops, um, all that sort of stuff. And um, luckily enough, like, like I said, my dad, my dad, my dad was pretty knowledgeable Formula One fan, so he was, uh, he was, he was a good, he was a good guy to have around to set me on the the track I t- I took. Um, and then I really took a shine to Damon Hill. Like my, my dad supported Damon Hill. He came across as such a cool guy. Um, you know, it, the, it, there's something like there's something charming about Damon Hill, but obviously. He was in a Williams as well. So that was, you know, that was my, my team. If I was supporting, um, if I was supporting Hill. And obviously then like the end of that championship came a bit bad. So uh, helping Lee get into Formula One more, not only did he have a hero and a team, he then had a villain in Michael Schumacher. Um, and it it just progressed from there. Of obviously nineteen ninety, 
1996, Damon Hill win the world championship for Williams, which was cool. Then I was upset because fucking um, 97, Hill wasn't driving for Williams anymore. I felt that felt they'd they dumped him and left him out in the cold because he'd won a world championship like they did with all their world champions, or very near all the world champions. And um, I can uh, I can still remember like 97, even though Hill wasn't in a Williams anymore. I went to the British Grand Prix and I watched my first race at at a circuit. Um, the first cars I saw were on the shakedown on Saturday and I was at Cops on the inside of the corner, at the inside of Cops corner, when the when the pit straight was there. So obviously the you had your, your pit lane exit. And uh, the first car that came out was a Minardi. Um, I can't remember who was driving the Minardi. And then all of a sudden Jack Villeneuve came out in the Williams and we had the big question mark on the side of it because you couldn't have cigarette advertising and I looked at that car and I just thought oh, that's that's it that's the car that's the the height of motorsport technology right there you know it, obviously I was supporting Hill and he was in the arrows and he wasn't doing particularly fucking well but the uh, it was that seeing a Williams in the flesh and hearing it like because it had the, the Renault engine at the time which was the best engine on the grid it had such a high-pitched high-pitched sound with those what would have been a v8 i think back then or were they v12 v12s but then i can't remember maybe they were still v12s in um 97 i'd have to go and look i can't remember um and even then when we were walking around the paddock and stuff like that and, and not sorry not the paddock i wasn't that posh uh walking around like the attractions for people like and the like where the merch and stuff was there was much more back then i think i don't i don't know what it's like now i haven't been to silverstone for a while but whenever i have been back to silverstone it was never quite as good as it was the first time i was there when they had all that tobacco money to sponsor things you know there, there was there was so much stuff around there's so many show cars and i can just remember coming up to the williams and just being fucking glued to this car um i'm, I'm sure hills um 96 world championship winning car was on display as well at the like around the williams stuff it would make sense it was i remember seeing that car somewhere it would make sense it was it was at silverstone obviously because hill had only been the the world champion the year before um but yeah like that was that that was kind of where i finished with williams for a little bit until um when pablo montoya drove for Williams and um, he was because if, if you remember back then I was never a huge Irvine fan I enjoyed him I, 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 I enjoy anybody that's a bit mouthy in sport but um, there hadn't been another British driver for me to jump on board with and obviously you, ha you, ha you were having the beginning of the Ferrari Schumacher legacy being created and I, I wasn't particularly down with that I've never been a Schumacher fan um, and even, even back then I always felt that Ferrari's advantage lay in Bridgestone making the tyres for them more than the maestro himself uh, as the late Murray Walker would have said um, and I uh, 
I was happy when Montoya came in because all of a sudden you, know, you had Ms. Williams BMW where Williams had like a, a factory engine supplier again. Um, Montoya had all this noise made about him when he came into Formula One and he, you know, he'd come, in, come from IndyCar where he'd been really successful and there was something fucking raw about Montoya. And I, yeah, I was that, that was it. Montoya was my guy then and I was back as a Williams guy with Montoya. Obviously, that would be short-lived, and it wouldn't. It, it proved some exciting moments, but uh, it wouldn't. It would never give Montoya the championship. I personally think he deserved in Formula One. Um, and then again, I would drop off Williams until Jensen Button came in, um, and I was back with Williams again because Button. I, I don't know. I know he's a year older than me, but I don't know whether it's like a full year or just like eight months or something like that. But I remember, um, I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, he's so close to my age." And it was the same with Alonso, which came in later. And I, that's why I think it must be cool for people with Max Verstappen because I had the same thing. You know, you, um, and it must be even even more amazing when you like you're a young teenager, you're seventeen, and like someone like Max Verstappen comes into Formula 1, you think, fuck me, I'm going to school, this guy's a Formula 1 driver, and you know, I, it's, it must be so good for the sport, it must be so good for getting young people in, but yeah, but again, I was back on, on board with Williams, Jensen was in the car, they had the Brabham colours, um, the car looked great, it, and it was a good car as well, you know, it was a good car, it was enough to let people like push, I think... Was Jacques Villeneuve back at William? We we're still at Williams then, or was it Ralph Schumacher? I can't remember who. I remember Button faring well to his teammate. I think it might have been Jacques. I think did Jacques move after that year to BAR, and then I can't. I can't remember. I really can't remember what the moves were. Um, but. Uh, yeah, back on board with Williams again. And then, obviously, I've then followed Jensen Button through his career. And then up to present day, where uh, Williams brought through George Russell. Well, obviously, Toto brought George Russell through. But, you know, it's will he got his seat with Williams. And we've seen George outperform in a pretty bad Williams. There's been some criticism towards the Williams team in the past. You know, the last, the beginning of the hybrid era has kind of been their highlight for a long time, which... I still don't think Williams really capitalised on more to the drivers than the car. Um, uh, Bottas has proven to be a B team, like a very good second driver, but a second driver nevertheless. Williams' main driver was Felipe Massa, which was a broken Felipe Massa, which wasn't wasn't great. But yeah, it's just. It's a shame that that for that team. You know, obviously, I was very critical, and and still we still would be very critical. You know, it's the somebody's death doesn't change my criticism towards Frank Williams' daughter being put being put in position to manage the team. I still believe that might have been the death of the team, especially when you employ somebody like Paddy Lowe and it doesn't work out. You know, that's a shame, but you can't deny what Frank brought to the sport. Um, do, uh, do will we ever really see somebody like Frank Williams again in Formula One? 
probably not. I mean, maybe maybe if these rules and budget caps and stuff like that can try and push it back to the point where a privateer team can come in. You know, it's, I, I, I actually don't think... I know, don't get me wrong, I know they are well-funded, but I, I don't think um, Red Bull quite get the get the plaudits they deserve because they they're an independent team they are um again well financed but back in 1996 when williams was winning world championships they were well financed compared to other teams as well um and red bull are williams now you know they are the they've got a i mean well they would be one step ahead of one, one step further down the road of williams when they start making their own engines as well, which is pretty fucking crazy. But yeah, I don't believe that um, Red Bull quite get their just desserts for being the independent team in a in a in a formula which has been very much pulled away from independent teams. You know, it's or you know, you can be an independent team like a a Stroll having um, Austin Martin, but. Uh, at the end of the day, if you want to be competitive, you have to be wrapped up with a manufacturer. You know, I think maybe th maybe these rules change that, but you can see it with like McLaren, for instance, where I do think they have a ceiling um, with as an engine partner with Mercedes. So again, who who knows what the new rules are going to do? But yeah, I just thought I just thought it would be a nice thing to do to come on, have a talk about that. There's nothing really. Um, there's nothing else really to talk about. To be perfectly honest, I've got very very little to say about it. But it just felt bad not to come on and do some sort of uh, some sort of podcast, considering uh, what Frank Williams has given to the sport and how long how long it was. So his life, you know, that's that's the thing about somebody like Frank. He's his life has been Formula One, you know. That must be a, it. Must be such a strange thing, you know. It's a, Formula One is a dream to most people, just to be involved in it, just to work in it, you know. From the from the people that mop the floor at the McLaren Technology Center to the um, like to the mechanics working on the car to David Coulthard and fucking. Mikasalo, whoever you want to think of, you know, it's it, at the end of the day. Would you, if you were a caretaker, would you rather be a caretaker for Williams Racing, or would you be a car, rather be a caretaker for Tesco Express? You know, they, it's there's something. It doesn't matter what your position is in Formula One. If you, it, it, your position is worth more than your position somewhere else. If it happens to be in that fraternity, so. To have that as your just your entire life must be crazy. Genuinely, must be crazy. And when you consider as well, you know, he had the crash. He lost the use of his legs. Still, st still there. Still part of the team. I remember the there was that time where he had his that vertical plank thing that he used to that he used to sort of be strapped into. So he still looked like he was stood up when he was there. Um, and I, re I remember there was an interview with him where he was asked where of all drivers which driver would he want and he had this you know, a man that he must have been in his 70s then 
And he had such a schoolboy grin on his face when he was asked, oh, if you could have any driver, who would you have? And he said, oh, I'd like Lewis Hamilton to drive a Williams. Um, and the interviewer said, who would you like? Why would you like him to drive for Williams? And he said, "He's just, he's just got it, hasn't he?" I, you, you could just see that passion that was still in a man. You know, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, and it is. It's energizing. It's, it's wonderful, and it's something that you think, you know, even up to this year when, uh, when he was asked about going to different races, um, he was asked whether he'd be able to travel to races. He said, oh, "I don't see why not." He said, "I'm." I'm uh, I'm paralysed, but yeah, I'm still healthy, and he still wanted to do it. And uh, it, it, and to be perfectly honest, you wonder, you know, it's I'm sh- I'm sure when you, when you're in that position, you're gonna die. You think about your family and stuff like that, but you can you can bet that he was also thinking that one of the things he'll miss would be watching Formula One, even if he couldn't be there. You know, it, it's a uh, it's very sad. I'm not. I'm not usually one for these, um, these type of shows because I always feel that you might it might come across like you're trying to make content out of something, but it's it's absolutely not what I'm trying to do. It's I've I've, I've seen some videos on YouTube and stuff already. And I thought, oh, fuck off! You you just you're just doing this for for fucking views. But um, yeah, I just I felt that it would have been out of place. Um, given, I mean, given like uh, even the but like, podcast wise, you know, I started doing podcasts because of Formula One. I started doing podcasts with Three Legs, Four Wheels, then, uh, and I still love doing Three Legs, Four Wheels. But there was something else I wanted to do. I wanted to do a slightly shorter show um, that was more just like your friend. I wanted, I wanted to be your friend in a pub that happens to know a little bit too much for like Formula One for it to be cool. You know, when people know a little bit too much about something, you go, ah, that's a bit fucking, it's interesting, but Jesus, you, you really, you really like that stuff, don't you? Um, and that's how I see Hot Lap as just being your mate in the pub, that if ever you want to go and talk to about Formula One, you know, you can just walk up to him and you go, did you see the race? And so the oh yeah, fucking, who'd have thought fucking Haas were going to get a one-two? Um... No one's ever going to say that, but uh, yeah, I um, I just thought it was the right thing to do. That's all I was going to say. So, rest in peace to Frank Williams. Um, he's given an awful lot to this sport, and I'm not sure we will ever see the the likes of him again. Um, if I'd never thought about this before, but if I could ask three, like three questions to you could ask Frank Williams. I I would like to ask him, um, who he thinks is the greatest of all, greatest driver of all time. I'm fairly convinced he'd say incentive. It would be nice to know. Um, is the what was his biggest regret in Formula One? And I'd also like to know what he thinks of modern day. Uh, principles in Formula One. I'd l- I'd love to know what he th- he feels about the the Horner Toto bitch battles. That would that would be really good to know. But anyway, thank you. This has been the tribute show, I suppose. If if you like, there there was a couple of other bits of news I could have talked about. I was even going to do a 
a talking points thing but again it just felt like i was trying to build a show that wasn't there when there was something there was something else to talk about so i will be back next week after the next grand prix um i'm looking forward to it it's going to be a titanic battle between lewis and max on a circuit they don't know i have a funny feeling mercedes is going to be able to edge this we'll just have to see what happens until then keep whatever you want to keep uh follow me on twitter at a total shunt and we can talk about things be it the world formula one or power rangers um and until then i'll see you soon goodbye find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Network.